The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. So it was one Thursday night, and Reuven and Shimon traveled from their homes in Ashdod to the Kaisal. They went to the Kaisal. Returning home that Thursday night at 2 a.m., they passed by a local shul, and they realized that the light was still on. So you have two people who live in Ashdod, and they go down to the Kaisal, and they spend time over there, they dive and they pray. Daven and pray is the same thing. <laughs> okay. And they get back. It's a long drive. So they get there at 2 o'clock in the morning. They pass by the shul and they see that the lights are on. Okay. Interesting. 2 in the morning. One with lights are on. Okay. So one of them said, Reuven said, let's just call them Reuven and Shimon, by the way. It wasn't their real names. Or maybe it was. I don't know. But anyways, Reuven tells Shimon, I'm going to go into the shul. And if somebody's learning, they're amazing. And if not, I'm going to turn off the light. I'm saying the Torah says that uh, you have to be watchful and you have to consider other people's property, and especially, especially Klai Yisrael's money. So if there's nobody there, I'm going to turn the lights in the shoe off. Sometimes you have it that people forget to turn the light off. Okay? All right. Anyway, so Reuven goes to the shul, he goes to the window, and he looks through, and he sees that in the base medrash, there are two people. There's a child and an adult. There's a yeshiva tana boy who's steigen, two o'clock in the morning, Thursday night, gishmak chalun. There was no chalun, but it was gishmak chalun. That's what they call it. He was learning mustama, preparing for one of his uh, class, one of his uh, tests that were coming up, maybe to get into yeshiva gedela. And then there was another man, there an adult, whose name was Maishi. And this Ruvain, who was looking through the window, knew who Maishi was. He was an acquaintance of him or something, whatever he knew he was. And he saw that Maishi was crying. Two in the morning, sitting in shul, crying. So he told his friend Shimon, the other guy who was with him outside, he said, wait a few minutes, I want to go inside and I want to see what's going on with my buddy, something's going on over there. Okay. So Reuven goes in the shul and he goes over to the man who's crying. And he puts a hand on his shoulder and he says, Ramesha, he says, what's going on? Why are you crying? Is everything okay? It's two in the morning. And, um, you know, your, your family, your wife, like, what, what are you doing here and why are you crying? Is everything okay? So Maishi looks up, he wasn't ready to, you know, see anybody, and they're very surprised. Then he says, no, I'm, 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 uh, <clears throat> I'm crying about the Gullus. Yeah, I'm crying about the Gullus. So Reuven's like, crying about the Gullus, huh? Okay. <laughs> He's like, would you want to take a walk with me outside for a few minutes, and we'll just talk over the Gullus? <laughs> So he says, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll uh, c- come outside with you and talk about the Gullus. So obviously Ruvay knew right away that it wasn't the Gullus, because if you're a mamish in the middle of some lofty, uh, you know, crying and of the base of English and the Gullus, you're not just going to get up and go for a walk with somebody. So he's like, okay, something's going on, obviously. Okay, so they go for a walk. And again, he says, listen, he says, what's going on? Tell me, let me help you. Let me be there for you. You need a support system. Everyone needs when you go through our things. Tell me what's bothering you and maybe I could help. So Moishi's shoulders droop down even lower than they had been before. And he wipes a tear from his eye and he says, you know, I returned from Kohl tonight and I got home. And my wa- I walked in and my wife just burst into tears, started crying, bitter, bitter sobs, crying. And she said that the kids went to sleep tonight hungry. There was nothing in the fridge to eat. And this is the first time that they were all in bed. I was putting them to sleep, singing the Shema. And they were just crying, but I'm starving. I'm so hungry. And there was nothing I could give them. And not only that, but they went to sleep dirty as well, because we don't have shampoo. We have nothing, no soap, no shampoo in the bathroom. And now she's telling Reuven, she never spoke to me like this before. Her voice was like, it was like a disgust almost. Like, you're the husband, you're the father. Like, you, know, you can't even come home with a bottle of shampoo. You come empty-handed. Yes, you're sitting and learning, and that's a great thing. But uh, 
it's enough already. And I, I can't deal with this. It's just like so painful. And she ends up, she turned around, she ran into the room and she locked the door. And I could hear her crying and crying and crying through the door. And I begged her to open up the door, but she refused. The atmosphere in the house was very dark and it was muddy and I just couldn't stay home. I had to leave. So I left my house and I came here to cry to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I came to cry to Hashem to save me. You know, I really don't want to leave Kyle. But Lamaisa, what am I going to do? I can't go on like this anymore. It's, it, it already was pushed to the, you know, to the limits. And I begged Hashem to save me, to save my family. And I really cannot go home unless I bring a bottle of shampoo. I mean, that's, a, that's the way I feel at least. So I'm here crying. And that's my story. So Ruvain right away replies. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, I'll, I'll go to my house right now. I'll get shampoo right now. A little bit missing the point. But he's like, I'll get shampoo right away. So from Moshe's perspective, he's like, whoa, that's, like, you know, that's, that's all I need right now. Because sometimes we think very small instead of the big picture. We think very small. This reminds me of another story in a story. Somebody once came to the Briska Rav. And he said that I need, are you allowed to do dollar cases for milk? So whatever the psak was, he ended up giving him tzedakah, a lot of tzedakah. So the Gabbai said, you don't need that much money for milk. He said, dude, he didn't say that, but he, he said, Gabbai, Gabbai. He said, if he's asking for milk, he obviously doesn't have meat. <laughs> you know, if the dollar crisis are on milk, he doesn't have meat, let's give him money for meat also. Sometimes you have to look at the, the bigger picture to try to get the point. But anyways, back to our story. So he went uh, to his house to get the bottle of shampoo, and as he left... He realizes, like, wait a second, I'm missing the point there. It's not the shampoo that he needs. He needs a lot more than that. So therefore, it's not going to solve his shalom bias issues or his financial issues. So let me think of what to do. So he remembered that he left his friend outside. So he ran to Shimon, who was still waiting, and he said, uh, you know, I want to tell you a quick story. There's somebody waiting for me in the shul, whatever, but this is the story. What, what, what do we do? Like, what do we do? Do you have any money on you? Do you have any cash, anything? He says, yeah, I have money. I have a few hundred dollars, a few hundred shekels, whatever it was. He says, great. He's like, are you in a rush to get home? He said, no. He said, nobody's waiting for me. Everybody's sleeping already. It's 2.30 in the morning. He says, okay, is there any way that we could go to some 24-hour uh, grocery or makola and stock up for Moshi instead of just giving him a bottle of shampoo that's not going to help him? So he says, yes. Okay, so he runs in the shoes. He says, one second, I'm going to go to my house. Or I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but the kids are getting to the car and they're driving around. Um, I guess they're back in Ashdod at this point. Yeah, back in Ashdod at this point. And they're looking around. They're driving around. And every single block is empty. There's nothing there. No, nothing's going on. There's nowhere to go. There's no 24-hour thing. And then finally, they see that there's one uh, there's one store that says on the top. It says open 24/7. 24/7, not 24/6. Oh no, that means that they are open on Shabbos. And Reuven and Shimon were both makbid. Again, you're talking about an Israel, You have to know the people, the perspective, the story. But they were makbid not to buy from a place that's open on Shabbos. But at the same time, how can I disappoint Reb Moshe? He's waiting over there. He needs food. He needs stuff for his house. He doesn't have shampoo. So what am I going to do? So reluctantly, they went to the 24-7 store over here. And um, they filled up an entire cart of household uh, staples, whatever it was. Shampoo, soaps, uh, all, all the regular things. And then they got several treats for the children as well. Like if they don't have that, they sure don't have this. And they got some food. And literally, the cart was full packed to the top, they paid, and they left. When they went to the car, they noticed that the bags that they just took from the shopping, from this uh, store, it said on it in big letters, 24-7, open on Shabbos, you know, we every day, whatever it is, in bold black letters. So they're very embarrassed to give the food 
to Moshi because he was Haredi, a guy learning, sitting in Kail, learning Steiging. And it could be that he'll be like, you know, feel bad that you were supporting a store that is open on Shabbos. Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. Chal Shabbos. So Shimon asked Reuben, he said, how are we going to give him the stuff then? If we're going to, well, what should we do? Should, let's, let's get rid of the bags. But if we get rid of the bags, what are we going to do over here? Like, we, we got to get rid of the bags. We cannot show him that we got it from a place that was open on Shabbos. So what they do is they take the bags. And now the guy, there's a guy walking behind them. And as they're loading the groceries out of the bags, throwing out the bags, there's a guy walking behind them. And he says, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? So very innocently, they replied that the store is open on Shabbos. And it's a Chil Hashem. Or it could be a Chil Hashem if, if it becomes known that there's Haredim, that there are from people that are buying in a place. There's so many other stores, and you're buying in a place that's open on Shabbos. And the in big letters, we are open on Shabbos. So he said, if it's a Chil Hashem, if Haredim would see you, then why are you guys shopping here? So they realized that this was the owner of the store. They're like, oh man, that's the owner. Great. So Reuben and Shimon said, um, listen, we'll tell you the truth. It was our only option. We really were not going to come here, but there was nothing else open at this time. And they quickly explained the entire story about this Moshi who doesn't have any food, doesn't have any shampoo, has nothing in his house, to this uh, owner of the supermarket. And he said, that's what we were searching for, and this is the only one that we could find. And even though really bad, and we would not shop here, that is why we shopped there. And all of a sudden, the owner starts crying. And so Shimon asks, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? Like, what, what did we say? We just had a regular story of a guy who, and that's what we had to shop here. And that's what we're throwing at your bags. And we were expecting, uh, you know, a pretty rough answer. Like, oh, slicha Right? How dare you disrespect my store? And this is what I chose. And I'm Chiloni. And this is my game. This is my thing. How dare you say? But that's not what happened. He said, everything's fine, but let me explain to you something. He said, you see, I'm not a religious person, but uh, an organization from a, a while ago paired me with Chavusa here in Ashdod, and we've been learning, and we've been learning for several years, and he taught me how to put on and we started, like, like, there's just things I don't know. So we started with Tefillin, and I started putting on Tefillin, and then he started telling me about Shabbos, and I started keeping a little bit, I didn't really understand how, like, I could be, survive, how I could survive if my clothes must on Shabbos, how am I going to make money from that? Like, you know, we only got to the beginning of it, and then I decided I'm not going to go to work on Shabbos, but at least I'll keep my store open on Shabbos. Anyways, my Chavusa moved to a different part of the country, and now I've been without a Chavusa for over six months. And not only that, but I haven't even been given tzedakah. I have not been giving tzedakah for six months, and he also told me about tzedakah. And I used to always give my maestro money to my Chavusa. And right now I know I feel that I'm in a spiritual slump right now. My store is open on Shabbos, not wearing tefillin, not doing tzedakah, not doing anything. So I asked God just the other day, I asked God, I said, please, if you really want me a part of your team, please give me a sign. A week passed, nothing happened. Nothing changed, no sign. And again, today, I dive in today, I said, if you really love me, and you really want me on your team, and you really want me to make moves, then give me a sign. And now, the same day that I dive in, the same day that I dive in, two Haredim walk into my store at almost three o'clock in the morning, and they tell me a story, and they tell me that they really didn't want to come together. This is not a sign. You open your eyes, this is a sign. Nobody say, this is a sign. And he said, right now I see that HaKadosh Baruch wants me. Two angels just show up, and they come, and it says we're open on Shabbos, and therefore, and, no, and he makes with the Cheshbon, he's like, this is a sign. And then he said something astounding. He said, please get me this guy's bank account number. 
whoever this Moshe is who has no money, get me his bank account number. I want to give him all my master and maybe even some more. And also, I want one of you guys to be my chavrusa. One of you right now. So Reuben obviously acquiesced and he said, you know what? Yes, we're going to do it. And I guess we're going to learn. We're going to learn Shabbos. Yes, we're going to learn Shabbos. And he said, listen, this is, I think, what we should learn. You open on Shabbos. We're going to learn. And guess what? A few days later, or a few weeks later, a few months later, I don't know, maybe hopefully a few days later, they changed the store to 24-6. He closed his store on Shabbos because they learned the Hilchus of Shabbos Kodesh. They realized how important it is. He understood what Shabbos is, that it's a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and even though we don't understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to pay us back or pay us double or pay us tenfold or a hundredfold or whatever the case is, because if I close my store on Shabbos, I don't have money in Shabbos. What does that mean? And yet he was able to learn and understand with the Amuna and the Bitachon and realize that everything falls into play over here. They came back late, they passed by the shul, he wanted to close the light off from the shul. So the guy crying, why are you crying? The gallus, the ghoul, I can't, no, no, that's not what it is. Tell me the story, the wife, the shalom bias, the children going to sleep hungry. It's a real thing, there are people that go to sleep hungry. In Eretz Yisrael, hungry. I don't have food, I'm, I'm hungry. It's a pachad. And then they're trying to find a place, and like, Baruch Hu made it, that every other place was closed, except for this one place, 24-7, I'm not going to go Shabbos, Kodesh, <laughs> Then they go and they unpack it in the bags. It says it on the bags. I'm going to unpack it. And it happens to be that the owner of the Zubar is walking out when he sees that. And everything falls into place. Everything falls into place in order to get another Jew to keep Shabbos again. And to get another Jew to have Parnassah, to stay in learning. Rabbi said, open your eyes. All these signs are in your lives also. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.